Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. And in today's episode, we are talking to a verified brand builder himself, Todd. Todd, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to diving into your story, having a little talk through your brand, the brand that you've been building. I've had a little look at it and it looks uh, incredible. So I'm looking forward to picking your brains of how you've done it and um, all the things that you've done to, to build it up to where it is today. Uh, speaking of which, give us a bit of background on yourself before we dive into all the questions and how-tos, etc. Um, yeah, let us know what you've been up to the last few years and, and what you find yourself doing today. Sure. So uh, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Midwesterner, um, grew up in a family owned a restaurant, uh, was put to work as a young age um, in the bakery and um, spent my whole life really, really sick every time I would eat. And then in 2011, I was actually diagnosed with a severe gluten allergy, which completely changed the trajectory of my eating habits, but also led me to starting Wodo. Nice, man. Wodo. So I love the name. It's cool. Um, and let, let's talk through the, the, the brand that I'd love to hear more about it because there's there's so much that we could uh, sort of break down. Um, in terms of the idea, obviously, it came out of a pain and a frustration for you. Um, what is the, the, the product in itself? Is it just sort of one? It's like a snack brand, isn't it? Um, is it just one or is it multiple foods? What's the makeup of the brand? Sure. So... You know, it started with me having a severe gluten allergy, but then in 2015 and 2017, two of my three boys were born. Mm -hmm. um, they had severe gluten allergies as well. And I started thinking about the things that I loved the most as a kid. And one of those things was cookie dough, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you eat it raw when you were making cookies in the bakery uh, at my family's restaurant or, you know, at home with my parents or grandparents. Um, and so what I thought to myself at the time, you know, this is like 2019 was what happens if we take cookie dough and make it into a grab and go snack bar mm -hmm. that anyone could eat on the go, but really focused on people with gluten allergies, um, and are looking for a better for you product. So the yeah. number one focus was gluten free. Yeah. Um, it just also happened to be plant-based, egg-free, soy-free, vegan, dairy-free. Um, so it really kind of hits all those markets of people that have allergies, yeah. um, except two of our flavors do have peanuts. Yeah. And that's a lot of criteria to meet. And I'd love to go back to the start, I suppose, with product development, because that must have been a challenge to hit all of those criteria when you were developing the product. It can't have been easy to formulate everything. Is is that something that you've been really hands-on with, or have you just sort of used a company that already had a pre-made formula? How did that whole side of it work? Yeah, so you know, we did not start with a pre-made formula. We didn't use a company who said, you know, here's two recipes, just kind of pick one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, actually, the original recipe we came up with um, in 2019 by early 2020, we had recognized was not the right recipe to go to market with, um, and that had been like version 19. And so, actually, wow. right as COVID was hitting, we went back to the drawing board and completely redid all of our recipes to make sure they tasted just like cookie dough, yeah, yeah. Um, not a protein bar, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of there's a lot of protein bars on the market. There's a lot of cookie dough flavored protein bars. And really for us, we want it to be the first cookie dough snack bar, true cookie dough first, bar second. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking like, okay, 
How do we get the right taste texture combination? How do you get the right flavor profile? So today we have seven flavors. Um, you have chocolate chip, brownie batter, sugar, sugar sprinkle bowl, sugar sprinkle, peanut butter, peanut butter, chocolate chip, and oatmeal. So mm-hmm. kind of like all your traditional cookie flavors. And then kind of what transpired over the last year was we, a lot of our core customers kept asking us, can we bake your bars? Mm-hmm. And we'd be like, you know, you can, but they're not really meant to be baked. Um, so we're now launching a ready-to-bake, um, a- completely allergen-friendly cookie dough um, that actually has to be refrigerated. So our bars today are completely shelf-stable. So you can mm-hmm. eat them on the go, out of the fridge, however you like your cookie dough snack bar. Um, but our ready-to-bake we're launching is a purely refrigerated product. Um, but it tastes – when we created it, we really tasted it with the idea of if you have an allergy, you can't eat your traditional – Nestle Toll House or Pillsbury. And so we really worked on creating a recipe where the cookies baked more like a traditional chocolate chip cookie and sugar cookie. Um, Unlike typical gluten-free or vegan products that maybe bake more like a shortbread or have like a potato taste because they use potato starch, uh, we don't use any potato starch in any of our products. And you mentioned your history in a bakery. I imagine that was a, quite an asset to you, was it? Well, I mean, I was only five, so you know, oh, wasn't okay, right. That's quite all right. You know, my, my parents would go to work and they'd put me in the bakery because you know, I, I could you know mix and you know yeah, kind of yeah. help put bread in a pan and do stuff like that and eat a bunch of cookie dough and stuff like that. But it was, I would say, it was the foundation of loving you know being in a family owned restaurant, loving yeah. you know desserts and sweets, and then having a gluten allergy and not being able to eat those things mm. kind of set me on this path to be like, okay, you know, I want to create something that, you know, I love, right. I like mm. eating sweets. I like eating cookie dough. You know, my kids can't necessarily do that today and neither can I because we have gluten allergies. What do I go out and create that we can eat feel good about putting in our bodies and then share with the, you know, tens of millions of other people out there today mm. that have some sort of allergy that affects their life by choice or by necessity. Yeah. And then what is making a, I don't know, I'm kind of asking a lot about this, but it's, it's quite fascinating for a lot of people. I think that like you just sort of sit there with a load of bowls of ingredients and just mix them and guess and taste and then eat some more and try some more tomorrow. How do you do it? So, you know, I'm not a chef by training. So I actually um, started working with someone who just had a lot of food experience. Okay. Um, and she's based out of California and her and I just kind of would go back and forth with, you know, let's do this, let's try this. Like we really kind of worked, you know, I worked hand in hand with her giving feedback, talking about different ingredients, like thinking about like, okay, what should this really taste like? Right? Like how do we get that nostalgic feeling of going back to being a kid or a parent sharing that experience of making cookie dough? Um, and, and you know, again, it's not, you know, like I said, when we first started, we went through 19 iterations to get to a soft launch. Yeah. And then once we realized exactly the, what we were going for, it really took us just a couple iterations to kind of to really hone in on the right recipe, yeah. the right ingredient makeup to get to you know, really to what we felt was more of a traditional cookie dough um, bar and now a ready-to-bake cookie dough. Yeah. Is it a lot of admin and, and hoops to jump through in terms of um, you know the food standards and and the certifications you need, et cetera? 
So, so for us, you know, we looked at as, you know, being gluten-free ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. we felt it was very important to be certified gluten-free, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, saying a product is gluten-free doesn't mean it's gluten-free, right? Okay. And so, you know, by going through the certification process for certified gluten-free, they really go and look and make sure that it is, everything is certified gluten-free. So if you're giving it to someone who has, you know, a severe, if you're severely allergic to gluten, they can. I feel good about them safely eating my product. Yeah. Um, next was non-GMO project verified, and again, that's just a no-brainer, right? Like, I want to put. I want to feel good about what I'm giving people myself and giving mm-hmm. to people consumers to put in their body. And so it was. You know, I felt. You know, you know, nobody wants to eat products with GMOs in it, right? I mean, yeah. nobody wants engineered products, and that's. You know, that's what a lot of the big brands are doing today, right? I mean, you could see it. You know. You know, and you look at the ingredient labels, right? It says engine, you know, bioengineered, right? Mm-hmm. That's not us, right? We want to feel good about what we're making, what people are eating, what people are putting in their bodies. Um, we are also, our product today is sold in two of the largest school districts in the U.S. today because it qualifies as a full grain credit. Um, so it can be served as breakfast or as lunch. There's 19 million meals served in schools today, K through 12. And so, you know, non-GMO is very important to that, right? Like we yeah. know we're putting good things in kids' bodies. Yeah. Um, and then last, you know, we, we thought it made sense to be uh, kosher. So we're OU kosher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because a lot of people look at OU kosher as a as kind of like a health standard, right? Like if your product's kosher, it's gone through some level of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So from the kosher, from the non-GMO, from the certified gluten-free, you know, it really kind of makes you hone in on saying, okay, you know, we're doing the right thing by getting these certifications and allowing people to understand that we are a safe product. If you're looking for kosher products, if you're looking for non-GMO verified products, if you're looking for certified gluten-free products. Yeah, no, very cool, very cool. So you've got your first product in place. Now I'd love to bring it back to the, the branding. Uh, how sure. important was brand to you? You Obviously you've got good products, but you've also created a great brand. Where did the idea behind the feel and the name and the look of the brand come from? Yeah, so actually, um, the name Wodo um, actually came up came up with by one of my uh, business partners in, a, in another business. Um, we were just kind of tossing around ideas, and he came up with the name, and I was like, you know, that's it, right? Like, whoa, no, right? I mean, it just yeah, yeah, it's good. It makes so much sense. Mm. Um, and, you know, so we we originally when we came up with the name, we spelled it W O A H, and we realized that. You know, there was a pro, there was someone who was using that name for a totally different purpose, and so then we kind of went back to the drawing board and we're like, okay, what if we do it? Whoa, W H O A, and we're like, oh yeah, whoa, right? And so um, from that point on, it was it was very you know made sense. And then you know we actually worked with a creative agency in Cleveland called Trish, Twist Creative, and really when we thought with a name like Whoa. Like the brand had to be big, right? It had mm-hmm. to have a big presence. It had to stand out. Um, and so when, when they designed it and we did it with them, it was really about being bright and colorful and drawing people to you, yeah. right? Because yeah. you think, whoa, right? Like you want people to have that reaction both when you say the word, but you see the brand. Yeah. And so if you think about our packaging today, it's really colorful. Um, you know, when you go to, we do a lot of trade shows, right? So that's our mm-hmm. big need of getting our product into the market, whether to meet buyers, customers. Um, when I say buyers, retail buyers, and that could be, you know, airline industry, K through 12, you know, food service, mm-hmm. you know, our booth really stands out because we're big, we're pink, we're colorful. We mm-hmm. want people to be drawn in like Wodo is meant to be a fun, exciting brand, mm-hmm. not, you know, 
not a pasta brand. Yeah. And that comes across from the website. I think it really, that's the first impression you get is there's something colorful, it really pops. So it's it's good. Do you, do you think you'll ever do products beyond the dough arena? Or do you feel that the name limits you in that sense? Because I know there'll be a lot of people that want to start an e-commerce business, don't want to be too restrictive with the name, but also want to have a niche. Where do you lie with that? Yeah, I mean, we have a um, you know, a portfolio plan. Um, you know, I think ideally starting with the bars made made sense, and then it was just based on our consumers' request for the baking, kind yes. of really led us to create the ready to bake, which we're now launching into the market over the next forty five days. Nice. Um, and then really from there, you know, our focus is to probably you know continue to expand on flavors for our ready to bake. Mm-hmm. And then take a pause and really kind of just really go really deep with our two product lines. Yeah. And then, you know, we do have a pipeline of other product line extensions. But I think our goal is to really focus in on our bars and our ready-to-bake mm-hmm. and maybe do different formats of the product yeah. before launching any, any new innovation that's in our pipeline. Nice, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'd love to learn more about how you do sell the products. Uh, you've mentioned a few ways there, but if we were to take it back to the beginning, how did you get your first sales? What was the launch strategy for the brand? Who, who was your first customer? So our, our first retail customer was a local grocery store. It has 23 locations called Heinen's. Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, I felt by being local, we had to start local and go really deep here. Mm-hmm. So we started got into that store pretty quickly. I actually happened to meet the chief operating officer of Heinen's and he introduced me to the buyer and the buyer said, you know something, you're local, I'm going to give you a chance. And so that's really, you know, that's really how it started. I went in, I gave a presentation, she tried it and said, let's go. Um, At the same time, you know, just like a lot of entrepreneurs, right? We did farmer's markets. Um, You know, we we also got right on Amazon, right? Amazon Mm -hmm. is one of the best tools. Because unlike in retail, where it takes some time to get market adoption and understand if people like or dislike your product, on Amazon, you know really quickly. Mm. Um, and then we worked with, I call them the box companies, right? So like the Bunny James of the world, Imperfect Foods, Misfits, you know, the places where people are combining products and sending out gluten-free specific products, vegan specific products, going into like giving, giving the opportunity for our product to get into our core customers' hands and then seeing if that drives sales either in retail mm. or um, online. Yeah. And what would be the breakdown of your sort of sales volumes today? Obviously, you mentioned Amazon retail. I assume you do a direct-to-consumer kind of portion now from the website. What's the, the breakdown now? Um, I would say today probably 10 to 15% um, is direct-to-consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest is retail, and we do some airline as well. So in in 2022, we were on all American Airlines first class baskets nice. in the first half of this year. Um, and that was a great opportunity for our brand to make some money, but also to get our product into, you know, I think we moved almost over one and a half million bars. Nice. Um, and so it really was an opportunity to build brand awareness, sell some product. Um, but then we saw the direct effect by people buying more product in store. And people, you know, going online, going to Amazon, going to our website, um, going to some of our other online, <coughs> going to some of our other online partners. Mm. Um, so, you know, sometimes you look at things purely for margin, um, which is 95% of our business. And then sometimes you look at things as quasi margin, quasi marketing opportunity. And that was really it for the airlines for us. Yeah. 
And can you talk us through a bit of that growth? Because that's, you know, you mentioned there 1.5 million bars. Was that through the airline or is that for, for the years? Yeah, that that was just for the airline. That's crazy. So, um, yeah. And, you know, so from 2021 to 2022, our business grew 383%. Wow. And so it's just, you know, exceptional growth. Mm. Um, and we continue on a very strong tra- tra- trajectory um, in 2023 and even looking forward even stronger in 2024 um because one of the other core markets we opened was the k-12 through market yeah which that would be huge right yeah i mean 19 million meals per day served in schools in the u.s (laughs) 5.6 billion per year and you know kids seem to really enjoy our our products um one school district alone buys uh bars a month that's crazy yeah. And have you gone international or is it still just in the States? Um, we have some international business, um, but you know we haven't gone deep there yet. We're really focusing stateside first, mm. um, and then we'll look to push international, most likely probably mid to late 24 into 25. Yeah, nice. And how has the team grown as you've uh, grown as a business? You know, we've continued to keep it pretty lean uh, yeah. just because we are a startup and you, know, you got to be lean, right? I mean, you'll, you'll see I do a lot of the trade shows myself. We have a small team. Um, you know, there, you know part, some of our team are you know, part-time. Um, a lot of people carrying a lot of hats. But mm-hmm. I would say this, without our team, we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Like, you have to build a good core team around you that's dedicated to building your business with mm-hmm. you and believes in your mission. Yeah, absolutely. What are the main functions that your different team members hold? Uh, sales, marketing, and operations. Okay. And when you think sales, it's not just, you know, traditional sales. It's also mm-hmm. like sales operations, trade shows. Um, yeah. You know, to date, we've probably already done 25 trade shows this year, and we have mm-hmm. another 10 over the next 45 days. Yeah. And do you, for the retail sales, do you have to uh, pitch them a lot, or are you getting them come to you more? How is that working? So a lot of times our first, connection with retail is at a trade show where we're meeting buyers they're trying to buy our product for the first time and then it's it's the follow-up loop right and what i would say to anyone out there who's thinking about starting their own cpg brand that it's a long game there's no you meet a buyer they place a huge order it, it doesn't work like that yeah, yeah. um there's a review process and it could it could be years i mean we actually just got into a retail recently um it was Albertsons and it was a two year process. I mean, because it's like, you know, they may review, they may review in you know August of every year and you may meet them in September and that review in August might not be for the following. You may not go on shelf until the following, you know, eight months later. And so mm-hmm. you're always kind of a year and a half out from when you have that. It could be up to a year and a half out from that first time you meet a buyer. Yeah. You've talked about some of the, the the growth you've seen. What? How have you financed it? Have you taken on financing, or has it all been bootstrapped? Um, so today we've completely, you know, the the core team has completely self funded the business. Yeah. Um, we are looking at right now raising capital um, mm-hmm. just to accelerate our growth. Mm-hmm. You know, we see some really big opportunities in front of us, and we feel like now's our moment. And yeah. Capital can help accelerate this opportunity for Woda. Yeah. Have you got any hesitation about that or any fears? You know, it's a big step to take, isn't it? 
know, it it is a big step to take, but you know, I recognize that you know we can only take the business so far without it. Mm-hmm. And you know, at some point, you choose either slower growth or faster growth. Yeah. And you know, if you look at the categories we're going after, the bar sec, you know, it's very crowded, but the mm-hmm. ready debate set um, is not so crowded, and so. We think there's an opportunity to blow a hole right into that market and really gain market share. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, our team's kind of decided, you know, let's go for it. Let's, yeah. you know, identify, do we have the right amount of capital to raise, what we'd use the funds for, and, you know, go on and raise the capital to accelerate our growth. Very cool. And in terms of manufacturing, how has that evolved over the years? Have you had to change manufacturers as your capacity has grown? Yeah, so when we first started working on the product, it was just in, 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 a, in an exception. Sorry, when we first started working on the product, when we were just getting started, um, we we used kind of a more of a small test manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we really nailed the recipe, we moved to a manufacturer in our own backyard in Ohio, mm-hmm. and you know they can scale with us indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So that's been a really good partnership for our bars, and then for our ready to bake, we've actually identified two different manufacturing partners um, in the Midwest and uh, Southwest. Yeah. And so, you know, just making sure, you know, the goal was to line up the capacity uh, before we got started because we thought we had a big opportunity in front of us. Yeah. Producing edible goods is obviously a a challenging, you know, uh, aspect maybe. Um, Maybe you don't think it is, but, you know, I'm used to like just hard goods, you know, but but edible stuff is, there's other challenges too. Are there some challenges you've faced with manufacturing, things you've had to be aware of and didn't maybe realize and have surprised you, anything like that at all? I I wouldn't say there's been major challenges in the manufacturing process, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I'd say because of COVID and supply chain issues, you know, really sourcing ingredients. Right, yeah. um, so I've gotten really good at, you know, having different, you know, suppliers for every ingredient we have. So that way we always have redundancy. Yeah. Um, because, you know, listen, if you don't have ingredients, you can't run your product, can't run your product, can't sell, yeah. you've got a problem, right? So yeah, yeah. it's, you know, it starts with the ingredients, then manufacturing, then selling. And so, you know, I've worked really hard on shoring up our our, our supply chain around ingredients, materials for packaging. So that way, you know, we we have what we need to get our our team the product they need to sell. Yeah, definitely. Have you faced any other challenges? What are the biggest things that have have you ever got to any points where you thought it might all cave in, or has it all just been plain sailing? Um, you know, there has been different points. Um, I mean, there's just there's always things that come up and sometimes you just can't even believe things that happen. Um, you know, six weeks ago we were at the airport flying to fancy food and our flight got canceled at seven o'clock at night and we had to be there by 8 a.m. the next morning. So the team literally, we left the airport, got in a car and drove and arrived at 2 a.m. Um, you know, we were just on the road this last week starting on Monday for a full week and I, I, my team was nice enough, you know, kind of said, hey, you know, I said, hey, can I fly home Friday night so I could be with my family? They're like, sure. Saturday night, I get a call. The car broke down an hour and a half away from our office. And so at eight o'clock at night, I jumped in the car and I had to drive, you know, a couple hours to get the team, get our product, you know, because we had some of our product left from the show that we had to reuse for the next show. And so, you know, was up all night 
you know, didn't get home to almost one thirty. Mm. You know, just there's always things that come up. There's always challenges you have to overcome. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, you know, it, it really is difficult, right? Like you hear these stories, you're like, oh, this isn't going to happen to me or us, and it does, right? Like no one's immune to the challenges, and no one's you know, there's the good and there's the bad with everything that happens in being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and sometimes you know it does take you to your tipping point. Like you sit there at night, and you're like, what the am I doing, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I've been on, you know, <laughs> you know, Saturday night I get home, I'm like, you know, man, like I am just wiped, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been traveling for five days, I'm just had to drive four hours, five hours, like, you know, and again, there's no guarantee of success, right? You can yeah. work really, really hard, but, you know, starting a CPG company is not a, you know, one year and it's sold, right? It's most of the companies you hear about, whether it's Perfect Bar, Hugh Kitchen, uh, Tate's, I mean, the list goes on and on that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years to build a business. Mm. Um, and we're really only three years into the market. So we know we have a long road ahead of us. Yeah. Which is a perfect sort of segue to the final question I wanted to ask, really. You've talked a lot there about how you still feel, even though you might be selling millions of bars, it's still very much like a scrappy startup. You're having to hustle and, and, you know, I love that, by the way, that, yeah, you're selling all these bars, but yet you want to pick up the carload of bars that you've got from uh, one place to take it to another and they're precious to you. And I love that spirit and that's what an entrepreneur needs to be. But where is that going? You talked about that 10, 20 year journey. Do you think about Wodo in the mindset of I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm going to have this final outcome? Or is it just I'm enjoying it, I'm just going to keep on building it and see what happens? Yeah, I think right now we're at the point where we just want to keep building it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've had good reception regarding, good reception by the market regarding our bars. Mm-hmm. And the reception has been just as good, if not greater, for our ready-to-bake cookie dough. And so we think we have something really special. And so right now the team is having a lot of fun building it. Um, we believe we're creating a product that's impacting people's lives in a positive, positive way. We're giving people this opportunity to, you know, make cookies with their family. So if you have mm-hmm. someone in your family who doesn't have an allergy and someone in your family who does, you can now make, you know, real chocolate chip cookies and eat them and enjoy them together. And so, you know, I think right now we enjoy it. Yes, there's challenges, but there's challenges in everything, right? If I want to work for mm-hmm. someone tomorrow, there'd be challenges, right? Yeah, for sure. And so right now I control my own destiny and that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. You control your future and yes, you know, there's out, there's things that could happen that could, that can affect that. But ultimately I control my own destiny and as, and I believe as long as we work hard, create a really good product, um, continue to get in front of buyers and consumers and show people this is a product that is safe to eat. It's cookie dough. You don't have to worry about salmonella and other things when you hear recalls from large companies. Um, we think we're onto something and we think mm-hmm. that the market will prove out over the next three, five, you know, 10 years mm. that Wodo can become a household name. Mm. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it to me. And like I say, yeah, I've been very impressed looking at the brand and, and hearing what you've had to say. And so it's, uh, it's an exciting future, no doubt. Um, uh, final question I'd love to ask is just any parting advice you'd give to anyone that's looking to start uh, a passion project, whether that be, uh, you know, food-based or, or other-based, uh, just at the beginning of their journey, what what's the top bit of advice that you would give them? 
So there's no such thing as an overnight success. And make sure you have product market fit. Very good. Very and good. Those, yeah, those are my two biggest pieces of advice. Yeah, definitely. No, that's really good. Really good. You've um, you've certainly got product market fit with Wido, and it's going to be an exciting journey. And I'll certainly be uh, you know watching along to see to see how it all unfolds. If if people do want to pick up uh, some bars and, and check the product out themselves, where's the best place to get to get hold of them? So Wodo.com or Amazon for the bars, and then if you mm -hmm. want to try the ready to bake, uh, go to Plantax. Perfect. Well, we'll leave links to the website uh, in the show notes and the description as well. Uh, Todd, it's been great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking time out, especially seeing as you've been traveling and you've been busy. Uh, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Yeah. Th th thank you, Ben. I, I really appreciate I, I really appreciate sharing our journey. And, you know, if anyone's out there, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, you know, especially if you're getting ready to start a food company, whatever I can do to help people. I mean, it is a journey and you need a tribe to help build yeah. that community. Yeah, amazing. That's that's very generous of you, and uh, I'll include the link to your LinkedIn as well, so people can um, can reach out there. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you, Ben. Have a great week. You too. Take care. Awesome, Bye. guys. Well, I hope you got uh, as much value out of that as I did. A really, really great, informative interview with Todd. And if you do want to check out uh, Wodo, make sure you do follow the links below. Check it out in stores near you, I'm sure, everywhere, all over the country, all over the world at some point. And uh, thanks for being on the show today. And we'll see you in the next episode, same time next week. Take care.